Welcome back to This Week in Film, the exciting fortnightly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we saw all over the past week. It's super special Nick's All By Himself week. Um, Matt is not here this week, and after last week where we went silent in memoriam for Ray's departure from the show, uh, I'm back. Just me this week, and uh, I'm going to try and talk for a while by myself. So this might go well, this this may go just terrible, but we'll see. Uh, but Matt sends his regards, and uh, he'll be back next week. So getting right to it. What did I see this week in film? Oh, by the way, I'm Nick Panato. Thank you for joining me. Um, so then now that that's out of the way, um, what did I watch this week in film? Well, I finally got around to watching Batman The Killing Joke. It's an animated film uh, produced by Warner Brothers. It is directed by, let me click on this, by Sam Liu, L-I-U, Liu? I don't know. Directed by Sam. And uh, this movie was not very good, which is a very big shame because it is based on the acclaimed 1988 book of the same title, Batman the Killing Joke, uh, which is written by Alan Moore and illustrated, I'm going to show my ability to read a Wikipedia page, illustrated by Brian Bolland. Uh, but Alan Moore wrote it and uh, it's 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 a classic. It's a classic story. Uh Shows, um, tells a, the origin of his nemesis, the Joker, and um, just shows the Batman, the Batman, uh, struggling to overcome his enemy, but also try to reach a common ground with him. And um, the movie, or the movie and the book, both start off with Batman visiting uh, Arkham Asylum, where the Joker is in prison, and um, trying to sit down and have a conversation with him uh, that a lot of people I think have uh, imagined where you, you know, you think of, Oh, if I had a supervillain and he was in jail, I would just try to go talk to him. You know, maybe, maybe we could just sit down, clear things up and, uh, and, and go from there rather than every two months beating the crap out of each other. Um, it's an, it's a novel approach. And, um, Basically, the Batman goes there. He finds out that the Joker has escaped, and uh, the story goes from there. Uh, so, at this point, uh, I'm going to get into spoilers for for the movie and the the book. So, at three, what are we? Three minutes in. Oh man! Uh, at three minutes in, um, if you wanted to know what happens and you don't want it to be spoiled, now is the time to. Uh, Fast forward to the end of the show where I say goodbye. Um, no, no, you could probably just turn it off. But if you want to hear me talk about all of the things that happen in the movie, stay tuned. Um, all right. So that was your spoiler warning. Um, I was told that, uh, what movie did I do a couple weeks ago where I said, oh, it was, uh, space movie. Oh, Arrival. I did Arrival where I said, all right, spoiler alert, and then just dove right into spoilers almost immediately. So sorry about that. Um, so you got a nice wind up for the killing joke spoiler alerts. 
But anyway, this movie uh, was pretty disappointing. Um, it features the voice talents of Kevin Conroy, who plays Batman. Uh, there's no Bruce Wayne in this movie. Well, I guess there is a little bit. You see him a little bit. But he plays Batman slash Bruce Wayne. And uh, he's the voice of Batman from the 90s cartoon. And to me, is the voice of Batman. Whenever he is not Batman, I think it's very distracting. It also features Mark Hamill as the voice of the Joker. And again, it's he's he's who you think of when you think of the Joker. At least at least I do. And my opinion is final. And uh, anyway, they're both brought back to do these these famous roles. Mark Hamill famously said this would be his last time doing the Joker. Uh, in the past, he said, I, I, I'm trying to remember, but I think he said that the doing the voice is taxing on his vocal cords and he's not as young as he used to be, you know, and he's got all the star Wars movies that he's making now. He, uh, so Batman goes to visit the Joker in prison. Joker has escaped and this, that's where the comic book starts. The movie decides to take the, uh, the position of uh, what's the best way to say this? The movie decides to put Batgirl front and center uh, of this movie. Uh, Batgirl is Barbara Gordon. I don't know what the actress's name who plays her in the movie. Let's take a look. Tara Strong. Oh, nice. Tara Strong plays uh, Batgirl in the movie, and in, in in the animated movie they. They take the position of making her the main character of this this story, and they add on this entire almost half hour long prologue to where the actual story starts. And I think they did this for two reasons, which was to, if you've never seen a uh, Batman or you don't know anything about it, and you're just jumping in, you want to know, well, who who is this this girl? So you know, oh, she's she's another Bat person. Oh, she's friends with him. They fight together, and apparently they uh, bang now, which is a new thing. They they get together and then they hook up, uh, which is ridiculous on on countless levels. Um, and I think they're trying to bring some kind of uh, emotional core to the movie, where you see this girl who has, you know, her whole life ahead of her. She's a young girl. She works at a library at a college. And she's trying to, you know, just figure out what's going on with her life. Is she a crime fighter? Is she a librarian? Does she want to be a Batman for the rest of her life or a Batgirl for the rest of her life kind of a thing? And at the same time, she's kind of in love with Batman. And uh, it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all because we don't care about Batgirl. In the comic book, the Batgirl's in the story for about, three or four pages the story itself in the, in the comic is only like 50 or 60 pages long and you know like batgirl shows up in the book because she's having dinner with her dad her dad is commissioner gordon like i said and the joker shows up at her door and he just shoots her in the stomach uh essentially paralyzing her and that's where the character oracle comes from but in addition to paralyzing her uh See, this is where things get confusing. There's a lot of things about this story that when you are reading it, uh, apparently a lot of people interpret it, interpret things one way 
uh, and other people interpret it another. For instance, I never thought so the 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 Joker after he shoots Batgirl, he strips her naked and takes photographs of her while she's bleeding to death from well she doesn't die but she's bleeding out from her uh, wounds and he later uses those pictures to show to commissioner Gordon while he's trying to drive him insane. The Joker's plan in this story is to, his idea is that all it takes is one bad day to make someone like him in order, because the Joker goes from being a regular guy to being a total lunatic. You know, he, he goes from being a regular guy to turning into the Joker based on the events of one very bad day. So the Joker is trying to give Commissioner Gordon this same bad day, you know, doing all these terrible, traumatizing things to him in order to drive him mad. Now, excuse me. Now, so I always thought that the Joker just took these photographs of Batgirl as a way to show Commissioner Gordon, hey, look what I've done to your daughter. And now I've. I've stripped her naked and, and in a sense stripped her of all her dignity and all this stuff. But apparently a lot of people believe that uh, he's also um, assaults like sexually assaulting her, um, which is even worse, you know, uh, but it makes the, the end of the movie all the more confusing, I guess, or the end of the story, all the more confusing because there's a big difference. Like both things are, reprehensible uh but there's a big difference between uh just taking naked pictures of your gunshot victim uh to display to her father which is horrible enough uh and then on top of that like sexually assaulting her and and taking pictures of that so uh at the end of the story when batman confronts the joker uh i have a big problem believing that he would go (laughs) I don't want to say he goes easy on the Joker at the end of the, at the end of the movie, but I have a hard time believing that the Joker would be able to speak at the end, even though he's done all these terrible things. So, but then there's another thing at the end. Uh, so anyway, uh, where was I? This is tough. Congrats to all you people out there that are able to talk for forever. We're about 11 minutes in and I am ready to be done talking. So let's see, where were we? So the Batman, Batman, Batgirl hook up. And then she says, I don't want to be Batgirl anymore. And then the actual comic book starts. The comic book adaptation part of the movie starts. Uh, So the comic book adaptation is, uh, it's very difficult to, to explain like they they tried to go for the look of the comic book which has this 80s style look to it i mean if you saw it you would and and you read comic books you might understand what i'm saying but they tried to do it with a modern the that modern cheap warner brothers animated movie feel so i don't really care very much for all the newer Warner Brothers animated films. I don't think they're very good. I think they're all uh, very 
I think they're all just disappointing, honestly. Some of them are better than others. Uh, I enjoyed Batman versus Robin the most of all lately, but but for the most part, they all have this very inexpensive or cheap feel to them where the animation feels stilted, where, where you can feel like they're cutting corners uh, all over the place. And most of all, I think what really hurts this film is it's it sounds like all of the actors, and then this is probably normal for all animated, uh, all animated uh, features or 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 productions at all. But it felt like all the actors were reading their lines separately from someone. Like for instance, Kevin Conroy read all of his Batman lines. Uh, all by himself. And then Mark Hamill came in the next day and read all of his Joker lines. And and the problem is it doesn't feel like any of these characters are actually talking to each other. It just feels like they're saying, here's what I have to say now. Now you will speak your lines. You know, like they're, they're all being performed, but they're not being performed in, in concert with the people around them. And, and that really is annoying. Uh, you can hear that in in other animated things. I don't I don't have an example off the top of my head, but in most animated things, it's it's like that. Uh, all the actors record separately, but it doesn't feel like it. So I don't really know how to explain that too well. But let's take a look at the clock now. Oh, we're fourteen minutes in, just getting warmed up. Let's see what else to talk about with the Batman. Um, Batman wears a cape. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, the, let's just get right to the end, uh, of the movie. So the end of the movie, Batman finds out that the Joker has, uh, shot Batgirl and taken commissioner Gordon captive. He goes to confront the Joker where he is. He rescues, Commissioner Gordon, who is being kept naked in a cage, um, possibly being sexually assaulted himself, you know, uh, being surrounded with the imagery of his his um, uh, wounded daughter. And uh, Batman says, you know, they found Barbara, which is the name of his daughter. Uh, I'll stay with you until the ambulance and the police get here. And Commissioner Gordon says, no, you go bring him in and do it by the book. He needs to know that that our way works. You know, it's very similar. It's very similar to the uh, the movie The Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan Christian Bale movie, where the Joker wants to make a point to Batman and all of Gotham that if if when push comes to shove, society's a very fragile thing, and uh, everything that we think of as, as being a civilization will go right out the window at the first chance we get. And in the Dark Knight, spoiler alerts for the Dark Knight, which is almost ten years old now, which is crazy, isn't it? Um, but um, in the Dark Knight, he says, or he puts a bomb on two boats, one boat full of just um, regular um, commuters, and another boat with that is full of prisoners being transferred. And he gives each of them the opportunity to blow up the other boat. And it's very much in line with this movie where if you if you push people to the limit, they're going to act in their own best interests and uh, uh, flat out and openly 
break um uh what's it, the social norms that we have or or the the social contract that we have where where if many of us will have a conversation where if if we're if we're ever put in a situation like that, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't blow you up. But if push comes to shove, who knows what you'll actually do? You know, when your back's against the wall, who who knows what's going to happen? And uh, that's what the Joker does: is he puts he puts these people in this position where uh, Batman cannot stop it from happening. He can only take he takes down the Joker, but they both still have to sit and watch it happen. And that's what happens in this movie, in the, this movie, The Killing Joke, where, uh, you know, Batman gets to Commissioner Gordon and Commissioner Gordon is not broken. He, he doesn't fall for the Joker, not fall for, but he doesn't fall prey to what the Joker was hoping would happen to him, which is he would go mad and, and lose his facilities and, and go for vengeance and, and basically violate all of the principles that he stands for now granted his principles include having a flying batman uh as his primary enforcer of the law in his city but you know whatever works but he tells batman to bring the joker in by the book which is funny because batman's a vigilante but you know they got their own thing and uh so in in that sense the joker fails in in his in his goal um uh the other thing about this movie is it goes into the origin of the Joker which I think is always a weird thing. Uh in this movie or in the comic book they make him out to be a uh, a struggling stand-up comic who just he wants to make it big but he clearly isn't very good at his job, you know? I mean, he has this one line of um about standing in front of a crowd of people and having them not laugh and you know, I mean, if you're a comedian and people aren't laughing at you, then you're probably not a very good comedian. You know, um, I know that feeling right now, probably, uh, as, as you go along, not laughing at me, uh, or, or maybe you're laughing your head off. But I think the key is that for the Joker in this story, he is an expectant father. His wife is pregnant and Oh my God, a sports alert just came through. Uh, Stephen A. Smith says something embarrassing. Um, anyway, so the Joker is a, uh, an expectant father. His, his wife is going to have a child very soon. They live in this dilapidated apartment somewhere in Gotham City, and in order to make ends meet, he decides to turn to a, a brief life of crime. And this is where the movie or the origin of the Joker really starts to fall apart for me, is that he just kind of decides to start being a criminal as a whim. You know, he, he meets up with these mob guys and says, hey, you know, or, or, or he's going to meet with these guys that he's agreed to get them I guess the Joker used to work at some factory and he knows how to get in and whatever they need at the factory, he knows how to get to. So he's just basically a guide for these thugs. And, uh, and, and this is, like I said, this is where things start to fall apart because the Joker has never been a bad person. 
You know, like he's just a terrible comic. And the very first chance he gets, um, he agrees to help these guys. They're they're on board with him, but they're clearly using him uh, the whole way. And then the day of their job where they're going to break into this factory, um, the Joker finds out that his wife and child have died in some kind of accident. And then this is where, for me, the story really falls apart because he's everything that he was working for is gone. And then he still decides to go through with this crime. And while he's, while they're doing the crime, uh, which is just go to factory. I don't even know what these guys were looking for. It's not clear and it's not really important, I guess. But while they're in the factory, Batman shows up to stop the robbery and the Joker, you know, accidentally falls into this vat of acid, uh, washes out into the spillway and he comes out and his skin is bleached white. His hair is crazy green and he just starts laughing crazy. You know, the, the, the chemicals made him go mad on top of everything that had happened to him over the course of the day. Um, you know, it's, it's a cheap and easy origin story for what should be a very complicated character. You know, uh, there's a lot of, and and like I said earlier, there's a lot of, uh, interpretation of, of everything that's happened. And that's something that the movie leave leaves out. Um, so Uh, I also think that Mark Hamill's voice acting was just not very good. Uh, When he's the Joker, he's great. But when he's trying to be just the regular, the regular guy pre Joker, it, he just is like a whiny little wimp. Uh, Whenever I read the book, I I read it as like a strong man who's just failing. And in these moments with his wife, he's kind of uh, letting his guard down. Um, Like he's kind of a wienery kind of a dude, but like, when he's talking to his wife, he just kind of complains. But when you hear that, when you hear his voice in the movie, it just sounds like he's just a whiny little weaky guy. Uh, it's, it sounds like the Joker's doing an impression of a regular person, which I think is, is a waste. It's, it's not effective. Um, so that's, that's all I got to say about that part of the movie. Finally on to the conclusion. Um, so Batman tracks down the Joker inside, of course, the haunted or the haunted, the abandoned amusement park could be haunted. I don't know. Uh, but he tracks down Batman and the uh, or Batman tracks down the Joker, uh, rescues Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon says to bring him in by the book. Um, him and the Joker have a fight and um, the Batman wins. And while the police are still on their way to bring him the Joker back to Arkham, Batman finally gets to have his heart to heart, I guess, conversation with the Joker. And it's a it's a very good exchange that uh, does not come across in the movie the way it does in the book. And I think part of the reason uh, also plays back through the rest of the movie is that at one point while I was watching the movie, I got the the graphic novel out and was flipping through it like in the, uh, flipping through it while I was watching it. And the movie changes lines here and there and uh, changes words or word orders here and there. And, and in some places it works, but many times it just does not work. It, it really, in a, in a story like this, that's very quick and very brief. 
uh, it felt like they were cutting corners on, on lines and not making, and not making the changes that they, they need to and where I know that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but to, um, and I don't have a specific example. I'm not going to go get the book and, and, and read it right here. But if, if you wanted to watch the movie and read the book while you're going along, you realize that the book, the way the language goes in the book flows so much better than it does in the movie. It sounds so much more natural, sounds just overall more appealing to hear, even if you're, even if you're reading it. But uh, the conclusion of the movie has Batman and the Joker talking and saying that Batman the Batman the, to the Joker, I don't want to fight you forever. One of us is going to end up dying, and I don't want that. I don't want one of us to die. I don't want you to die. I don't want me to die. Let me help you. And the Joker um, says, no, it's it's too late for me. I, I've done too much, and at this point, I, I really don't want to. I, I accept who I am, and... This is just the way it is. And then he proceeds to tell Batman a, a joke uh, that the whole story, the, the, the I guess the whole interchange reminds him of. Um, and it's, you know, just a just a kind of a lame joke. Um, I like it, but um, that's to be expected. But, um, oh, my friend Christie's friends had triplets this morning. That's very cute. Congratulations, Christie's friends. Um. And, uh, so anyway, uh, I'm just going to keep reading the notifications I get while, while we're talking, but, um, so the Joker tells this, this terrible joke, um, but, uh, and, uh, oh, right. So he tells this terrible joke and this is where another one of those strange interpretation things happened between, uh, many people who read the actual story of the book. Um, for instance, uh, the end of the story, the Joker finishes his joke and he starts laughing. And I always pictured like reading along with the comments that Batman starts laughing too. Um, that the Joker told a, a pretty, you know, like a lame, but pretty good joke. And it, and it got Batman. So they, but they both start laughing. They share a moment, you know, and it like the, the joke, you know, works and it, it gets even Batman, you know, the Joker finally was able to tell a joke and make his audience laugh. And Batman is the Joker's ultimate audience. Everything he does is for Batman, you know, and he makes him laugh. But many people interpret the end of the killing joke as the Batman kills the Joker. Um, the Joker tells this joke um, in uh after everything that he's done to the Gordon family and throughout his crime career and the, and he answers, he follow, he ends everything with this terrible joke and it, it finally pushes Batman over the edge and he strangles the Joker while he laughs in his face, you know, finally showing that the Joker was right, that anybody can be ruined by a bad day. You know, the Batman lost his lover, his good friend commissioner gordon has been just you know like emotionally and physically destroyed and the batman thinks he has everything together until this last moment when he know when he realizes that no matter what he does this this man will never stop and he doesn't care he doesn't care to the point where he's going to be telling jokes right in his face after everything he's done earlier today um i disagree with that 
uh, assessment, but I like it. I think it it works. Uh, and that's one of the things that's so great about this story is that you you can interpret things so differently uh, between two completely different views, and both stories are very complete. Both ver- you know, however you want to interpret it, works very well. Uh, they it still leads to each page still leads to the next page and all the pieces work together to create a very coherent, very enjoyable and ultimately satisfying story. And I think that's one of the big things that just doesn't work for the movie is that when you hear Batman laugh at the end of the story, at the end of the movie, you know that he is laughing. He's not He's not angry at the Joker uh, and in such a way that he's going to strangle him to death before the police get there. You know that he's laughing, which uh, even though I never interpreted that until actually till this movie came out uh, earlier last year. Um, but I can see how if you had thought the Batman killed the Joker at the end of this story the whole time and then you just hear the Batman laughing, how dis- disjointed that would feel. Um, but, but even for me hearing the Batman laugh, Kevin Conroy's fake laugh is just terrible. Uh, again, it comes back to the voice acting, which just isn't very good. The Batman just goes, ha, 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 ha. And you know, it's, it's, it's really bad, but, um, but that's, that's the killing joke. Um, I don't really have too much more to add. I'm sure as soon as I turn the microphone off, I'll think of, a bunch of more stuff to add. I mean, I could start reading the the Wikipedia or the IMDb page for this, but I, I think I got my point across. Um, sorry if I felt a little distracted or if I was uh, saying, uh, and a lot of pauses, but I've never done a solo show of this length before. We did one uh, not too long ago, and I think it was 10 minutes, and that felt like an eternity. This, this feels like an unbelievable amount of time to be talking by myself, but I have had a nice time. Uh, if you, if you're interested in hearing more longer explorations of movies that we saw, let us know, uh, because this was kind of fun. Most of the time we spend just a few minutes on a movie and it was really neat to kind of really break down this movie. Um, more, more so than, than, than what we normally do. So, so, yeah, sorry. So that's me being distracted and trying to think of what I'm going to say next before I've said what I'm going to say. But, uh, again, this was This Week in Film. Uh, check us out on at thisweekinfilm.com. Uh, Matt will be back next week, and we'll have some new special guests. If you're listening to us, on, or not a new special guest, maybe some new regular hosts, um, you know, got to fill that big void left by ray but uh if you're listening to us on the podcast radio network thank you very much for tuning in uh you can find us here every week at this time and uh you know check us out at thisweekinfilm.com find us on soundcloud all your favorite um social media and or podcast app please give us a, a review or or like us, subscribe, whatever all that stuff is. Rate, review, subscribe. That's that's the saying uh, on all that stuff. And uh, I think that's going to do it. Um, it feels weird to say that's the end of the reel because no one's here to roll their eyes at me. 
But uh, if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. <laughs>